Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Chaser Live Show. I'm just kidding. I just was full of energy there and I wanted to come out the gates hot. Welcome to another episode of the show, y'all. Today's a micro show and I don't know about you, I'm uh, I'm really enjoying the micro shows as a nice counterbalance to having uh, someone else that we both admire, respect, appreciate, want to learn from on the show. But here's the thing. I got stuff that I want to share and... I used to try and mix all this stuff I want to share with our guest, but you know what? I just felt like that started compromising on the guest's time. So these micro shows, um, I want to first of all say thank you for A, the idea, because that came from this community, and then B, thanks for all the feedback. And if you want to hear um, more about a particular subject, feel free to shout me out in the DMs, on Twitter, um, anywhere where I can be found hanging out on the internet. Uh, and let me know what you want to hear more about. But without further ado, today's topic is, as one would expect, something that is very near and dear to me, and that is how to get out of being stuck, of being in a rut, of being on autopilot. I don't know if uh, this particular time that we're in right now uh, has disproportionately created ruts you know i have a calendar it's just i removed the the prefix from every day and now they all just say day um but this idea of how to get out of a rut or how to get unstuck is so real and i feel like i could do you know 50 episodes of the podcast about it but today in particular i wanted to share with you that you know early on in my photography career i encountered a rut. I'd, I'd created success for myself. I, you know, it was just a taste, if you will. I knew I had an eye for the craft, but at some, I don't know what happened. There wasn't one thing. It was probably a series of small cascading events, but part of me began to feel uncertain. And it was really the only medium I had ever explored in a way that I thought, hey, I could do this. And sure, I had a knack for making pictures, but I also thought to myself, what if photography wasn't the be-all, end-all for me? And I got in this cycle. What if I went on to spend years mastering the camera only to find out that the the right medium for me maybe was charcoal drawing or who knows, sort of needlepoint or writing code or any of these other um, creative expressions or ways to put ideas, thoughts, emotions, and a piece of ourself out in the world. So how would I ever know if I had only ever tried photography and I got in this little loop and to say I was stuck would put it mildly. And all these, these phrases that I'm reeling off here, this is the classic sound. This is what it sounds like in your head when you're digging a rut. So I could have put my work down and spent, say, weeks, months, or maybe even the next year or more noodling about what the right thing was for me to do. But thankfully, because of a thing, a little note that I had written to myself that I often refer to now, that little note was action over intellect. And when I saw that note on my desk, it was just a little sticky note, a yellow note. And I took that to heart and I promised to default to this action over intellect mentality. And so I 
asked a friend, a studio mate actually, to help me learn to paint with oils. I mean, it was close enough to photography that I felt like it could be helpful and let's just let's just say I felt it was a worthwhile experiment. And it was because this painting stuff taught me a lot in a very simple and practical sense. You know, working with oils showed me how to evoke light and shadow in an image. And, you know, fast forward years now, I still use that concepts, the concepts that I learned then about light and shadow. I still use those in my photography. But staying to the point at hand here, in a larger sense, this oil painting stuff became clear that, hey, although this was an experiment and although this, this experiment was a part of my path, painting wasn't my true creative calling. My gut told me this, a little bit of experience, um, a handful of particular things about my creative desires about how fast I wanted to create thing on what frequency and, you know, oils are slow and you have to wait for them to dry. And I even tried acrylics, but ultimately my gut told me that, Hey, this oil painting thing, great experiment, but this is not your calling. Now, what if I dropped photography altogether and my, my, my commercial career to make oil paintings took off? Now, would that mark me as a failure? No. Only if that was really what I wanted. And and how would you know if you wanted it if you'd never done it? Now, right now, many of you might be thinking, ah, this is a thing I could use to delay my future. I can wander in the woods and sample things. Now, I believe in creative cross-training. I talked about it a lot in my book, and I, I've written about this thing that I'm, this is a, a riff that I've got going right now off of my book, Creative Calling, on page 176. Now, what if I did continue on with painting? Would that have marked me as a failure? No, not at all, because this was an experiment that I ran, Right? If that was my path, this would have been the actual discovery of my path. What I believe is that we've got to be willing to pivot, to continue to explore, to experiment, even while we have the thing that we think is our thing. This is like, this is like going on vacation. It's like taking a breath of fresh air. It's like eating a different meal or driving home from work a different way. Say you're an actor and you go on, say, a hundred auditions and you completely strike out, but then you decide what you actually want to be is on the other side of that relationship and you want to become a casting agent. That doesn't mean you failed. You simply succeeded at intuiting the next stretch on your path. Now, oils, oil painting, that is, wasn't for me though. Undeterred, I, as I mentioned, moved into acrylics because the acrylic paint is so much faster and more straightforward than oils in a way. So what was I really doing? I started bending my path back toward what I loved about photography. I was like, okay, cool. These oils, I like the shade and the shadow and the light, but God, it's so slow. Well, 
I want to evolve this painting and try acrylics and acrylics were like, Hey, cool. This is faster. I feel more at home. I can get a painting done in a couple of days rather than a couple of weeks or, or longer. And what I was able to notice about this little sojourn, this little trip away from photography is that again, I was bending the path back toward what I loved about photography, the immediacy. And I did that through zeroing in and listening to my gut again. I learned lots of useful things uh, about this journey, this experiment, and things that applied some very, very directly to my photography. But like oils, it became clear that acrylics also weren't the area in which I wanted to focus my attention. So what did I do after this arc, this experiment, this time away? I returned to photography as my primary creative outlet and it helped me double down and say, hell yeah, to photography. In part, it, it, it um, satisfied some curiosity. In part, I learned to look at light and space in a new way. Maybe the best thing it did was it stopped the questions that would come up for me when I was worried about committing to photography. In a sense, again, I could say hell yes to photography and I haven't doubted my choice to do that ever since. Now, it's important to understand that just sitting down and thinking about whether to pursue these things, these oil paintings or acrylics or photography, if I was on the couch trying to uh, come up with the right answer, how far would I have gotten? I wouldn't have gotten anywhere. It was only through action that I was able to hone in on what worked best for me. You cannot think your way out of a rut. Uh, I am reminded here by uh, this book called Art and Fear, Observations on the Perils and Rewards of Art Making. In that book, there's this apocryphal story that's told about a ceramics teacher who divided the class into two groups. And I, I shared this in detail in, in Creative Calling, and I want to do so here with you. Now, group A of these two groups they were graded on quality, where each student would submit one pot for the teacher to evaluate. Now, the other group, group B, what were they graded on? They were graded on quantity. All of the group's work for the semester was literally put on a scale and weighed. The heavier, the better. The larger numbers, the better. Now, you can probably see where this is going if you've read the book or maybe you've heard me tell this story. The students in group A that obsessed about their one submission, they produced very little work at all. Mostly uninspired, it was traditional, and it was largely safe work. What they had done is they had intellectualized that work. They had made it precious. And by contrast, group B, they created with abandon, free of judgment and expectation, and they made so many more pieces as a result. And the twist is they also made those pieces at a much higher level of quality. They were better, more interesting. What they had done is prioritized action over intellect, right? They were willing to make at volume. Now, again, you cannot think your way out of this problem. 
The answer is action. The answer is making. Start by taking action. Change your environment. Put words onto a page. Put a prototype into code. Bake a pie. Make, make a cake. Eventually, you'll find out through this action what you're meant to do and how you're meant to do it. No matter what's blocking you creatively, your best bet is always to turn up the volume and make more stuff. Remember, your default mode should be action. Hey, that was an awesome episode. But before you bounce, just I got three quick thoughts. First, thank you for being in this community. It gives me so much juice. I can't even tell you so much juice that when I hit publish and this show goes out into the ether, that there's an amazing community of like-minded people just like you consuming and sharing the show. So thank you. Second, it would be huge. It would mean the world to me if you left a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, we're regularly featured at the top slot there on Apple's podcast page and others in Spotify, etc. And that's because of your reviews. So if you've ever wanted to uh, lend a hand or you got some value from me in the past and you want to pay it forward, that would be amazing. And then lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you shared the content that you get here whether it's a screenshot or a photo of where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories um, or any other social feeds, tagging me and the guests. Now, I repost this content and your comments all the time, so I would love to share your shoutouts in my feed too. Um, not only do these shoutouts, uh, are, are they good for you and me, but they also help us book amazing guests because they see the reach that you cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So again, I want to say thanks. I'm just at Chase Jarvis. You can use at Creative Live as well. And the guests are easy to track down because they are, well, they're usually quite well-known people. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to being in your ears again, hopefully tomorrow.